Good morning. Good morning. I've been only here a month. Today is like a month and five days. Uh, so it feels like I'm still addressing myself when I say this, but welcome to All Saints. Welcome to All Saints. Just uh, let's do one quick uh, review of a phrase we learned a week ago or two weeks ago. It is, Jesus loves me in Korean. Ye su nim. Nal. Sarah, like Sarah. Sarang. He. Yesunim nadel sarang he. Nadel sarang he. Cuando tenía ocho años, mi madre le puso en clases de español. When I was eight years old, my mom put me in Spanish classes um, just before kindergarten like classes start began. And at the time, I was learning Korean at home, Spanish at school, and then English in cl like school classes. Um, I was learning three languages all at once. Um, and so I'm totally messed up. <laughs> I am. My SAT English scores were so low. Um, I kid you not. You'd think that you knowing three languages would make you better of a linguist, but I am really messed up. So I want to say that because at times, um, even when I'm reading my manuscript, I get lost, and I'm thinking, is the, is the congregation not understanding a, a lick of English that I'm, you know, that I'm speaking? So I get, um, yeah, sometimes it bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not good at English, not good at Spanish, not good at Korean. Yeah. And so I apologize to um, our daughter, Emma, in advance, because she'll be learning English, Korean, and Chinese, and Spanish at the same time. <laughs> uh, man. Last week, uh, we left off at a point of rising tension in the earthly ministry of Jesus. Um, we might call it both riveting and insulting, um, but Jesus slaps the Pharisees with a red card. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but I came, uh, but sinners, to I came to call the sinners. And Jesus, by doing that, he points out that he's come for that second group, not those of us or not us who consider ourselves righteous, but we uh, who admit and acknowledge and confess that we are morally messed up um, and in need of a Savior. Uh, so Jesus, in that scenario, is turning what we call normal religion on its head. And instead of congratulating and praising those who have attained a high degree of theological precision or moral discipline or even life-changing impact and influence, Jesus warns the Pharisees. He challenges, you know, their expectations. He challenges the practices of their religious and moral establishment. But because the Word uh, of God endures forever, um, it isn't only reserved for the Pharisees in their day, it is reserved uh, and addresses uh, the Pharisees of our day um, today. So let's read God's Word and um, pray that we grow in our knowledge of um, who Jesus is as we're still answering that question. 
Mark chapter 2, we pick up from verse 13. He went out against beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in the day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth of an, un, of an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old skin, wide, old wineskin. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, or Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even, Lord even, of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to, whether, to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they, may, they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here, and he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Uh, this is the word of the Lord uh, that we may be edified this morning. Uh, let me pray. Our gracious Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for continually revealing to us uh, the majesty and beauty of your beloved Son, who you might have, who you have given all authority over the earth that we may see him ministering and healing and loving on those who would heal him. Help us to understand these things in a new way so that our affections will increase for your gospel and that our devotion will grow deeper for him. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So uh, in the gospel of Luke uh, chapter 18, um, Jesus tells a parable to those in the crowd uh, because there were some who felt very self-righteous or 
who mistreated others with contempt. And so believing in uh, their own righteousness, Jesus describes in this parable of how a, a prayer of that uh, particular um, man sounds. And so I'll read that prayer. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Um, I fast twice a week, um, and that I highlighted because they were only required to uh, fast once a year. Um, and he's saying he does this so many times, and he gives tithes to, of all that I get. Uh, a religious leader in the community, uh, also uh, a.k.a. Pharisees, um, were men uh, regarded uh, by others for his or her religiosity. Uh, we have men and women here um, in Richmond who are known for their religiosity. Um, and so at the time, Pharisees uh, fasted with motives um, different than those, uh, just a different, different motives. And um, to kind of pull the Pharisees and people we meet in Richmond um, together, we might fast um, or give something up, uh, such as food, to uh, merit God's answer uh, for something that we're praying for um, than otherwise he would not if we weren't fasting. And our hearts might be saying, uh, Lord, look at how devoted I am to you. Look at how uh, often I deny myself. Uh, I really am holy. Um, I'm totally sold out for you. Now, God, bless me according to my work. Fasting is not supposed to be like this. Uh, it is supposed to create intense focus and fuller uh, concentration on the things of God. Uh, we who fast uh, use it as an aid to deepen our commitment to prayer uh, for something we are seeking from God or just for stronger connection uh, with God. And so fasting uh, humbles our bodies. Um, it's a spiritual discipline. And so John the Baptist and his followers, uh, they petitioned God for uh, the Messiah to come, and they prepared themselves by repenting. Uh, they fasted with an attitude of humility toward God, and they expressed a deep dependence and a need for God's mercy. In verse 18b, the Pharisees complain about Jesus and his followers. Your disciples do not fast. Uh, one scholar explains this this way. Because Jesus contradicted the expected norms of religion and religious practices, the expectation for fasting is that it was the very essence of a, quote, religious spirit. And when we meet others, and it may be ourselves, who are big into religion. They uh, tend to separate its followers from the world um, and detach themselves from it. For example, um, there, is an, uh, there is an open mic at, the, uh, at a venue called The Reveler on Monday nights. And um, I've gone a couple of times to uh, perform and to, to see if I might meet anyone. Not, not my wife, because I've met my wife, but to meet um, more locals in Richmond. On their code of conduct, it says that the values are listed. Uh, we, one must be cool, one must listen, and one must have courage. Um, 
I don't know if you can read this tiny font, but I'll uh, spell it out for you. To be cool means to practice peace, love, and kindness. Uh, the practice of listening, um, you practice awareness of what's happening on the stage and off the stage. You've got to be in the moment. And thirdly, the good stuff is beyond your comfort zone, so you have to be brave, especially when um, the music starts getting funky and you can come up and dance. Monday nights and Wednesday nights. What does this mean for us who would go uh, at to the reveler? And what if, what, if we, what if I or us, we would go there and create discord and act unkindly, and yet we would even disobey the third part, we would be shy, we would shy away from dancing. So the, we would be breaking the code of conduct. We would have their organizers, um, you know, enforcing, like, you come up, stand up and dance. Or um, stop creating tension and chaos. The Pharisees, um, the religious organizers, same way, wanted Jesus to follow their code of conduct. And, he, and that's why they're asking Jesus, why do you and you're not, your disciples not fast? Um, if, if, if I may add, you know, Jesus, we're trying to promote an atmosphere of uh, gloom and self-incrimination. Uh, please follow our lead. Uh, because when they were f fasting, they uh, really had long faces uh, to show their uh, solemnity. Solemnity. See, this is why English, Korean, and Spanish, you don't want to learn all three at the same time. But Jesus did not. He did not obey their code of conduct. He engaged with the world and its society and the non-believers who lived in it. He dined with the uh, tax collectors. He healed the sick. He, he touched the people he wasn't supposed, uh, the, the society said to, to not touch. And so Jesus wasn't always serious, and he was joyful and talkative. Um, and his attitude to the Pharisees appeared very worldly. To them, his lifestyle seemed very world-like. Sometimes it is a challenge when we meet non-Christians who accuse Christianity or accuse other Christians for being such and such way. It is challenging when we are put into that, I mean, predicament or uneasy um, box. But when, when sometimes I wanted to ask them, do you hear how Christian you sound? You know, how... You are accusing Christians of sounding such way, but you yourself are doing what you, you believe Christians are doing. So if we look here, um, the word covert means not openly shown, engaged in, or avowed, um, colon, veiled. Inclusivism, inclusivism is really covert exclusivism. It is common to hear people say, you know, no one should insist their view of God better than all the rest. Everyone, every religion is equally valid. Um, yes, that, that is absolutely true if there is no God at all and or if God is an impersonal force that does not care about what his people believe of, of him, of his attributes. So then that is true if, if every religion is equally valid. So, uh, when we do come across men and women of other, you know, belief systems and paradigms and worldviews, um, 
they themselves, he and her, she herself, is holding by faith a, a, a very particular view of God, pushing it, um, pushing that envelope as better than the rest. And, and, and here I, I took the notes that, one, it is best, um, at best, inconsistent. And secondly, um, it is also hypocritical since an individual is doing the very thing that he or she forbids. Now we're going to, what we just learned, we're going to put that into action and see how Jesus um, executes this um, in this uh, conversation with the Pharisees. If we have our Bibles, and if we don't, then I will flip to that. Verse 19, he says to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as the bridegroom is with them, they cannot fast. And then in verse 20, The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. So Jesus' disciples, it's not a thing, it's not that they don't fast, they do fast. But Jesus is also claiming here that he himself is the bridegroom, who at that time, many would have illustrated God to be the bridegroom of Israel. But Jesus depicts himself as the husband of the people, which indicates that he is the Lord of Israel, uh, God himself. Sinclair Ferguson, Dr. Sinclair says here, um, think about the modern-day surgeon. He scrubs up before his operation. Why is he so careful to be clean? In order to help those who are diseased and physically deformed, true holiness is like that, replied Jesus. My holiness is like that. It is not contaminated by my eating with these sinners. Rather, it seeks to make them holy and whole and holy too. This is why it's so important for us to grasp uh, the gospel. We understand that the gospel brings about a joyful spiritual life. It's the good news that Jesus preached, one of joy coming to the world. And it also meant that it would impact how our other spiritual disciplines are going to be used in such major ways. Okay, like one, when we fast, when we pray, when we confess our sins, when we gather for worship, that's all done in the gospel joy. And we do so, um, we have this gospel joy because of this highlighted words. Uh, Jesus is saying we are invited personally to be with him, uh, like the guests of a wedding. There's nothing covert, there's nothing hidden here about who Jesus is excluding and including. Um, he is very personal. Uh, he does care about what we believe about him. He himself is God. Uh, he is not pushing it as better than the rest, but he is just, he, he's not using derived authority. He himself is uh, the word, the incarnate. And so with that authority, he humbles himself and dines with sinners and he heals the sick and the heartbroken and the hurt. And so he's not being inconsistent He's not being hypocritical about claiming to be the bridegroom um, because he is not doing anything that he forbids. But there is so much joy, and there's a lot of feasting to be done. No one who is at the wedding feast is doubting, how did I get into this wedding feast? Rather, we sense a certainty and guarantee of our forgiveness. 
And Jesus died in our place to guarantee that uh, we are accepted. And in those days, uh, this is some uh, brief historical lesson, but new, new wine was put into containers of animal skins. Uh, they were fermenting inside the uh, skin. Wine emits gas and expands during fermentation, so they were put in new flexible wineskins. And so old skins were very brittle, and they would break easily. So Jesus is saying that he himself is the new wine, and that he cannot be contained in previously old existing forms. This wine is Jesus and his gospel. The wineskins are the external ways we worship, we pray, we repent, we live in community, and we live in this world. Practically speaking, Jesus, uh, his disciples ate without washing their hands. Uh, they were breaking the Old Testament cleanliness laws. Uh, why didn't they wash their hands? Because Jesus was their cleanly, uh, he was their cleanness and he was their holiness. Secondly, Jesus' disciples wouldn't make sacrifices at the temple because why? Jesus is now our once and for all um, sacrifice for sins. Isn't that great? Um, thirdly, Jesus went to the, again, I, I kind of keep reiterating so that our hearts would be more, more soft. He went to the unwashed. He went to the dirty. He went to the scary Gentiles and not just to the Jews. He extended grace to all people. Fourthly, Jesus' disciples don't obey all the millions of laws that surrounded the Sabbath. So do we know uh, this morning, because of this gospel that we have, that we found, uh, we Christians can respond and respond to that with, by, doing great, uh, by doing things with grateful joy, knowing that God loves us. Because of the gospel, we Christians, with willingness, realize how little God asks compared to what he's already given. And because of the gospel, we understand that these duties are ways of knowing God better and growing into his likeness instead of earning his love. I don't know about us, but at the churches I've been at before, when the, before the collection plate is passed around, the pastor or, or the, the presider says, it's not... Uh, remember when we're giving, um, we're, not, we're not gaining or losing God's love for us. Um, we, we can't add more uh, by the amount. Um, and so we are giving um, because we are his children, sons and daughters in Christ. Are there any former members of different religions inside of, inside of this fellowship hall? Did that make sense? <laughs> I need to, I need tr interpreter. Have you were anyone was anyone here previously, uh, you know, not 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 Christian or or in a different religion? Okay, yes. Okay. Well, I, I hope we all. I understand that none of us here were born Christians, unless you guys were baptized like John the Baptist inside the, the stomach of Elizabeth. But I understand we we weren't regenerate till later. Uh, my mother converted to Christianity from Buddhism. So Buddha's last words were, 
Behold, O monks, this is my last advice to you. All component things in the world are changeable. They are not lasting. Work hard to gain your own salvation. Do your best. In other words, strive without ceasing. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Buddha says, strive without ceasing. My neighbor, about two years ago, um, was in the Catholic Church, asked me, how could I believe in Jesus, but also not work at being good to, to go to heaven? Because religion is filled with so many rules and traditions, their own, its own observers, uh, we become insecure about where they stand with their deity. So in her question, she's asking, why can't I perform more rules and more duties to solidify and, 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 and it, you can hear the, the, the child inner, inner, inner man saying, I want to I become more secure and more certain about my salvation path to heaven. And I told her and her now husband that we are saved by trusting in Christ alone for our salvation. We need his mercy to be made right and that we cannot and we do not contribute not even uh, a speck of dust towards Jesus' accomplishment on the cross. Jesus proves by his active and passive obedience that we are incomplete. Literally, we are in complete need of being completed. Even after that explanation, she understood that it is salvation by faith alone, however, in Christ alone, Still, she decided to continue attending the Catholic Mass for the sake of her mother. And I totally get that. Um, I'm going to open up the Gospel of Park, uh, a book that doesn't, it's not in the canon. Um, this was dated Friday the 3rd, February 3rd, 2001. I was maybe 12 and a half. I, I didn't put up the picture, I apologize. So I'm guessing I had um, journaled late earlier that night, and then I wrote same night, so I journaled twice in the same night. So it says, hey, I can't sleep. I have to write. Dude, when I grow up, I want to be the first Korean quarterback to play in the NFL. Uh, and I had a little picture of me, um, name Daniel Park, age, 24 dash or 23, college, Florida State University, height, six foot four, six foot five, <laughs> weight, 215 to 220 pounds. I'm almost there. The team I play for, the Minnesota Vikings, and the number I'd wear, number 11. Yep, I want to be. Uh, I want to be something, person, in 12 to 11 years. I will be strong, and God will guide me. What am I, how would you minister to this child here? <laughs> and then I was upset that there was a new show called The XFL, and that, that, that actually is the point. I was upset that The XFL was on, coming into the scene. Have you heard of The XFL? It's a new like, style of football 
you know, professional athletes, and um, they changed all the rules. But I was, this, this is what it sounds like to be pharisaical and to be very legalistic. I'm upset that something is coming on to the platform um, that I wanted to be a part of so badly. What is this XFL? What is this competition? Um, my religion was uh, football. I worshipped, you know, the ball and the players and um, so, so deeply, right? Mm. I want to hold on. I need to unpack that more. Um, we, about a, like a decade ago, I was in the uh, gas station in Richmond, and um, the cashier I was trying to befriend, and I asked if, you know, how she is doing and everything, and she said, oh, I have a son, and he's 10, and I, I said to her, you know, I want to, does he like football by any chance? And she's like, yeah, he likes it. And I said, you know, let me, uh, would you be interested if I coached him or, you know, taught him how to play quarterback? And because I'm pretty good, pretty good at quarterback. <laughs> Seven flag football championships, yeah. <laughs> All right, but I digress. And so she said, no, it's okay. I, I really appreciate, you know, your interest, but please don't. And I said, but why? And she said, I don't like football. And I got assertive. I, I said, why? How could you not like the greatest sport in all of mankind? And she was very gracious towards me and saying, I just don't. I just don't like it. And I said, no, but why? Why don't you like the best sport ever? And she said, Daniel, um, we just met, but uh, this was the first meeting. She said, you know, Daniel, I, my husband, my, ex, my husband got shot because of a bet that he made for a football game said, so don't, don't rub football in, in my face, yeah. My legal, that was my scales moment when Paul gets blinded by the light and says, why are you persecuting me, Jesus says, right? I felt so legalistic and so self-righteous in that I'm pressing my agenda on, onto this woman who, whose, whose husband is deceased because of a football bet. We tend to do that. We, we tend to forget that the gospel is, is what people need to hear. And, and it's, it's, it's that that brings healing to the soul and to the body of, of the, the hurting here in Richmond. Now, why I share that is because the gospel is continually going to lead to new forms and structures for the bride of Christ. We are his body, but, but his body tends to get insecure sometimes. We, we forget that God loves us apart from our spiritual performance. And, and when that happens, we cling on to, to what we know best, what, what, what is most familiar. The gospel reminds us in such a refreshing way to best organize and practice our faith in our current time and situation. We don't want Jesus coming into our lives and helping us with our old ways, he comes into our lives to give us new lives, and it, it is a threat. Um, it is a threatening and alarming th situation, but it's a good one. For wives in this room um, are women who have been married, who, who are married. 
maybe I, please be gracious with me if this question makes, doesn't make sense. Isn't the head of the household our, you know, our husbands, don't they change everything when they, when we, after, after we get married to them? They, although imperfectly, do they not change so many things? Jesus is the bridegroom. He is our husband, meaning he's my husband and he's changing everything perfectly for, for our good, for my good and your good. This also means that whether we like it or not, he's, he's still going to change what needs to be changed. We're going to get to our final part about the Sabbath. After God created the world, if you didn't know this, God created the world um, in the space of six days. And there are other acceptable views, um, the framework view and the day-age view. After he did that, he rested from his work. Um, it does not mean he was too tired to create more, but he stopped creating to rule the world. Um, Sabbath definitively means the peace and rest and blessing all creation experiences under God's rule. He was doing that. But after we rebelled from God's rule, we lost the Sabbath rest. We disobeyed God's command saying, good for you, we don't, we, we don't need that Sabbath rest. And so in, in, by doing that, we, be, we become restless and miserable in our own sin. Isaiah 57 says it better than I do. We are like the tossing sea. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. And we were restless um, because of our defiance, because of our rebellion. And some of us here might be still in that state of restlessness. But when God gives Israel a foretaste of rest when they obey him, it is only a foretaste of something much greater to come. And the examples I have here are from Joshua 14, uh, 1 Kings 8, and Hebrews 4. These three examples speak of the land getting rest, people getting rest. God commanded that the Sabbath day be observed uh, once a week to represent the rest and peace of what God's salvation already brings. But not yet. Because Jesus will one day return to bring uh, the full rest in its full glory. And he will return to consummate and again rule over all the new heavens and new earth. To borrow um, some language from our PCA website, God not only rescues the lost and sinners, but he restores all of creation. And um, that forgot to put that in there. We read in Romans 8.21, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The heavens and the earth will pass away and be radically transformed. We read of the glorious culmination of this in the book of Revelation where God's people, the redeemed, are brought into the presence of God to live. This is life as it should be, literally as it was meant to be. The redeemed will be living in a new, imperishable bodies. We will be glorified and it will be fit for the new heavens and the new earth. 
like Jesus' body right now. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. This assertion is clear, and I pray that it is. it becomes more clearer to us. Jesus must be the king. He must be the king um, who, whose rule brings the Sabbath rest to us. And not only that, um, keep in mind that he is the creator of the world of which he gives the rest to. He, he's giving us that rest. Jesus, in that, on, the, on that day, he, he heals and restores this man's shriveled hand. And that is what the Sabbath is all about, the healing and restoration of our shriveled bodies, our shriveled souls under his lordship. We have to come under his rule. And the rules and regulations, therefore, that the Pharisees were teaching about is very ironic. The Pharisees were designed to give physical rest, rules designed to give physical rest. And that's why they could say uh, that they could set a number of steps to walk each Sabbath. But by doing that, it made it impossible to actually bring true rest that the Sabbath was about. God has made Sabbath for us. We understand sometimes it's easy to think that man has made Sabbath for God. But God still wants to bring and is still bringing full healing of all creation by the power of his kingdom. And the the man's shriveled hand, I, I think, reminds us that of our shriveled upness. But we're only shriveled up until we are compelled to come under his lordship. It is only when your life and my life is under God's lordship, it will become all that it was meant to be. We, we what is that um, quote I'm thinking of? Until we'll be restless until we find rest in Christ. There, I just, yeah, that's, those aren't the exact words, so don't, yeah. In times of our troubles, I want to finish with uh, the Holy Spirit will enable us to say, yes, God, you are in control when I'm, when I'm deeply troubled. But the Holy Spirit also enables us to say, Lord, I do need to find some help. Um, it's not, I'm just going to be helpless, but I know you're in control. And in, other, in times of loneliness, the Holy Spirit reminds us, enables us to say, God, I know you are with me. I know you're my shepherd. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit enables us to say, God, I am lonely, and I ask you to surround me with friends. It's two things, both ends. The Sabbath means we enter a deep spiritual rest Hebrews 4 tells us that we can rest from our own work just as God did from his. We can enter God's rest right now by believing in the gospel. I'm asking us to believe in the gospel. And if you already have believed in the gospel, believe in the gospel again. Our rest in the finished work of redemption by Jesus is an image of God's Sabbath rest from the finished work of creation in Genesis 2 verse 2. In the beginning, God said, my work is finished so he could rest. On the cross, Jesus said, my work is finished so we could rest. Mm -hmm. 
Some might ask, is, is resting a spiritual discipline? Um, I believe it is something that we need to seek. We seek the rest of others. We want others to rest as well as we are rested. And so how do we seek the resting of others? Through the ministry of word and through the ministry of deed. Ministering to others, we witness, we, we share the gospel, we, we counsel others, we build others up, we embrace others with the gospel, just as Jesus did on the Sabbath. And so the irony is that we only, when we enjoy this rest, the work of redemption, we're able to truly enter into the rest of restoring and renewing the creation, God's kingdom. So with gospel joy, we will rest and we will fast and we will gain rest through Christ by working like Christ in word and deed. And uh, it will skip this whole point and uh, finish with this. My wife teases me about how many times I say we're going to finish with this. When, I'm, when we're talking about truly resting, it, it really means to truly rest in the finished work of Christ we can be free to give away what we have, money, time, our hearts, to let others see that there is a better rest coming and that they are free to enter. And um, some of us might appreciate it, but there is a domino in the middle of this game, on the middle of the table called, you know, this game we play, Mexican Train. Whatever the number is in the middle of the table, uh, players must add to their trains by connecting. Um, you, have to, you have to, if the number is six on that domino, you have to have a six tile. I, I'm really bad at this game. Um, I get the most points, and so I go home with a prize. What I'm trying to say is that the players who don't have that connecting tile to the main source become, well, for me, I become restless. I really am hoping that I'll pick up a tile to connect to the main source. Technically, uh, we want to be connected to the source. We want to have, what we're looking for is union with Christ. And we want to enter that rest so that we could start adding to the rest of our trains. Uh, that was the connection I tried to make with this sermon. Thank you. Does you guys have any questions? Tonight, uh, we'll have an evening worship service where I'm really privileged and honored to preach. But after that worship service, uh, we're going to gather downstairs to assemble care packages for the VCU men's basketball team. Uh, we have a lot of the materials. We could use some of your hands if you want to write some notes. Um, we have some cards that you could share. You could write a note to the coaches or to the players. And we, this is the first time that I'm doing this I've been doing this for years, just giving them a box of Korean snacks to share and distribute with their players and coaches. But this is the first time we're going to insert a gospel track. I'm really excited, and I hope that they take it well um, because of the longstanding relationship that we have. Uh, but I'm really leaning on uh, Christ and this community to join us this evening. Okay? Yes. Mm, I don't know if I'm going to directly answer your question, but 
I hope this does. All of us in the Old Testament, the people, were saved by faith in Christ, right? And what the Pharisees might have been trying to do is, okay, if you want to be saved by faith in God, to keep your salvation, you have to continue certain things. So you're basically still saved by works. I think the disciples understood that they were saved by Christ and that to be kept saved by grace. They were saved by grace and they will be continually saved by grace. So I think his, his secret, the secret messianic secret, sorry, flip those two words around, is still kept um, away from the disciples. Did I answer your question? Pastor Dennis, can you help me, please? Pastor Sparky, did you want to add on to that? No? Does anyone else? Thank you. Let's pray. Uh, Let's close in prayer. Gracious Father, uh, just thank you for who you are. Just thank you for this Lord's Day. We get together and remember that you rose again on the third day and freeing us from the power of death and the fear of it. Thank you, God, for freeing us so that we may be free in Christ and that we would understand that your rule is so good and you are so gracious and, and that the gospel is so irresistible. We ask that those who we come across would see that and also be joyful and hearing the good news preached and proclaimed. Help us to come under your rule. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.